Hi, I'm Avital Ash. I'm Jessica Richards. And this is... He's Right Behind You! Ah, Apocalypse Edition. Yes, self-isolation. <laughs> oh my. The we time are not together. <laughs> we are not. This is our first time virtually recording together. Yes, it's weird. And probably not our last time. <laughs> How are you dealing with all of this? <laughs> For anyone who's been living under a rock, the novel coronavirus is spreading rapidly and we are all to stay at home. Yes, state mandated here in California. I've been off work now for a week. The last time I worked was Friday the 13th. Today is the first day I put on mascara. So that was Good exciting. for you. Yeah, I'm, I'm riding a wave of anxiety and denial. Drinking more. <laughs> <laughs> what have you been drinking? Uh, I have a glass of Bailey's every night. Mm-hmm. With one ice cube. <laughs> yes. But otherwise, you know, just living the artist procrastination lifestyle of not, I was like, this will be great. I'll get so much writing done. And I have not written a thing. That's what I keep hearing from everyone. But I did color a coloring book by Liz Klimos. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if that's not productive, I don't How know. Are you? I feel like this is very fucked up to say, but, you know, aside from, like, the people dying and the economical impact. Just that. Just that. And uh, our incompetent president. I, I, the other parts, the parts that are affecting me immediately and directly are thrilling. I'm so happy to be home and, like, not feel pressure to go out anywhere and not have FOMO and catch up on reading stuff and watching stuff and... Weirdly, I don't know if you've seen anything. There's like studies people talk about if they've grown up in a sort of chaotic environment, they feel calmer when there's chaos. And so okay. I feel weirdly calmer and like I've made the bed more. I'm eating healthier, you know, just like okay. basic human things that I am not good at. I've been a little better at. Well, that's exciting. I'm doing none of those things. <laughs> I made brownies twice. I've oh, watched... Yeah. All of Jason Mesnick's season of The Bachelor from the early, like, I don't know, 2013 or something. I saw your Instagram post where Brad was yelling at The Bachelor on TV and you were like, I think this has broken Brad. Yeah. And you yeah, Brad's not into The Bachelor. It's like something that he comes in and out of occasionally and will like angrily ask me questions. And I'm like, you don't, you have to start from the beginning. Like, I'm not going to answer your questions if you're not invested. Right. Uh, but then we sat down and watched it, and at a certain point, he was like, Molly's perfect for him. I don't know who these people are, but now I'm like, well, does he choose Molly? Oh, this was the famous spoiler, but this was the very first time that it happened where he picked Melissa, and then on the after the final rose, he was like, I made a mistake. I should have picked Molly, and they're now happily married for 10 years. Wow. All right, that's a cool that's- story. Uh, yes. Sean Perlman, who is in an episode of, uh, I forgot the name of our podcast. Audition is the episode, but it's uh, oh, yeah. uh, right, right behind you. <laughs> yeah. Um, he and his girlfriend, Christina, who's already on for The Ring, the Ring. Um, was recommending a reality show that he says is like nice and sweet. They all seem awful. Amir, what's that show called? Do you remember? Well, this is useless because I don't remember what it's called. <laughs> Oh, Terrace House? That's that sound oh, right? I don't know that. I don't remember. I think it's foreign. I don't think it's American, but he loves it. Well, but. I definitely looked up, like, could I watch old episodes of the real world? And that's not a thing I can do. It sounds like it's like a foreign real world where they're just much nicer to each other. But he says it's delightful. It kind of reminds me, 
of like how Alex Fernie was describing it follows where he's like, instead of it being like, everybody's fucking, they're actually just like angsty and like looking at each other longingly and okay. like nervous. Okay. It's more like that. Like early real world, like pre Las Vegas. I don't know. I didn't watch any of it. My God, you've got, you've got a lot of time to find it. But I'm watching good shit, like The Invisible Man. How's that for segues? Yes, I was excited to watch this movie. I love Elizabeth Moss. I will watch her in anything. She's great. Um, I stood in for her a few times before. So on she's Mad roughly Man. my height. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, on um, She's I great in this. She is really good in this. It was definitely, uh, like, halfway through, I was like, why isn't she starring in more movies? Because she's That's so watchable. I know, but I feel like she's in everything. Is she not in everything? Well, she's in. she does a lot of indie stuff. And then yeah. she does Handmaid's Tale. But she doesn't do, like, a lot of big blockbuster movies. Well, she was in two huge horror movies because she was in Us. Yeah, but only for, you know, she's not, like, a big part of it. That's true. But There's this- no small parts, just small actors. This is all her. Yeah, this is definitely. Because most of the time, she's, she's acting opposite someone who's invisible. That's true. Although the, the rest of the cast is really great, too. Okay, so if you haven't watched the movie, now's a good time to do it, unless you just want the spoilers, because we're about to get into it. Yes, but we rented it. We did. It's now available for a very exorbitant price. <laughs> Yeah, um, it's like it's exorbitant based on where you live, I think, because like going because like Brad and I watched it here and it's like 20 bucks on Amazon. But if we were to go to the Arclight and see it, that would be like $32. So it's like mm-hmm. it's exorbitant, but it could be worse. <laughs> I think it would make more sense if we were like able to go to each other's houses because then there can be five of you watching, you know, which I guess some people, yeah. they have roommates and they're all quarantined together and that can be the case, but you know, I'm envious of those people. I'm stuck with only my husband and my two dogs and it's, uh, it's, it's testing our marriage. Oh, wow. I'm like, Oh, I'm so glad to be stuck with someone who doesn't get on my nerves at all, which is Amir and then Luke. Although I'm looking into fostering a second dog. I really want another one around. Well, and you're also in a house. I'm in a small apartment. That's true. Space really helps because we can be like on opposite sides of the house. Yes. We, uh, all of his annoying things I can hear no matter where I am in the apartment. Oh yeah. That's not fun at all. Like Brad recently said to me, wow, you make it sound like all my choices are horrible. (laughs) (laughs) Like what? Oh, that was, that was a choice where he decided to like bake all of the bread. And I was like, we were going to save half of it. (laughs) (laughs) We're rationing. Yes. It felt very dramatic. (laughs) uh amir has got a got a switch like a nintendo thing okay or whatever i don't know about technology although compared to you i know a lot about technology uh jessica had to download chrome just to be able to do this which i think is great yeah Um, which by jessica had to means that i handed my computer to brad (laughs) even better so amir's playing tetris and i'm just like move it to the left move it to the like i must be so annoying your backseat driving tetris exactly just so he'll give me the controller and then I can do it. But it's bad. I can't. It's really hard for me to stop. So I'd rather just not start. Like I get very addicty with Tetris. It's a problem. I can see that. I used to have that with Minesweeper. Oh, I never got into Minesweeper. It's great. <laughs> you should do it yeah. now. Um, okay. So here's the, the quick rundown and chime in whenever you want with okay. Invisible Man is it's a, about a woman who's been abused, presumably physically and emotionally. And then escapes and finds out that her abuser 
has died. She should be liberated. She should be killed himself. Yes. That he kills himself, but then she's being, uh, continuing to be abused. She thinks by him, there's a question of whether or not she's crazy. Or is it a ghost? She claims that he's found a way to be invisible and he's like in optics. Yeah. She breaks the ghost theory pretty quick. (laughs) Yeah. I kind of wanted that to keep going because I was like, this is like a really cool paranormal activity movie. God, I still need to watch that one. Maybe tonight. Oh, God. <laughs> Not at night. Yeah, no, during the day. You're right. You're right. But there's like there's one shot in particular where it's like, um, there's a there's food on the stove and she walks away and then we stay yeah. with food and like the stove turns up and then eventually it starts a fire. And that is like a very paranormal activity type shot. And I was like, oh, this is awesome. I love that one, too, because it's the kind of thing where you immediately just assume you made a mistake. Yes. Like, as much as I might be like, I swear I didn't have it on that high, I would go, but I guess I did. Or I just thought I had been gone for a second. Right, right. But the, like, actual fire underneath the pan is turned up so much higher than where she left it. Totally. You can hear Luke barking, but that's how you know we're really doing it from our homes. (laughs) So basically, she's convinced that he's still alive. And his brother contacts her, even though nobody's supposed to know where she is. She's staying with, do you think he, I thought he was the sister's boyfriend. I thought, I thought it was the sister's boyfriend. And then when I looked on Wikipedia, it said it's her ex-husband and that that's her daughter. What? But that's the sister's ex-husband. But And their shared daughter? They never really explain that. No, and the daughter's never like Aunt Elizabeth Moss. Right. She so just seems like your friend. So I don't know if that's true. It, that felt very foggy to me, what the relationships all were. Yeah, that part was very confusing. Okay, so Elizabeth Moss escapes from her abusive boyfriend. Her sister picks her up in the middle of the night. I was annoyed. Amir was even more annoyed. She gets in the car and is like, drive, drive. And the sister's like, why? Where are we going? And then. Yeah, the sister seemingly has not been clued in on anything. She doesn't know that her sister is being abused. She doesn't know that she's picking her up and it's a like a desperate escape in the night. But at the same time, if you're picking her up in the middle of the night in the forest, like probably some bad shit's going on and you should just drive and talk about it later. Yeah, that I am a little bit frustrated only because so much of this movie is good. <laughs> Yeah, no, so much of the movie is good. There's just a few moments, but, you know. The sister character is a real problem for me. Oh, interesting. I liked her. I just hated that moment. Because she she doesn't know anything about the abuse, which is fine. That's fair. You, not oh. everyone would know. But then she also, once it's, like, revealed, she doesn't have a strong reaction to it, nor is very sympathetic to her sister at, at any point. Right. I mean, they do kind of later on establish that she's sort of a stoic character. So I could see her just not showing it and like wanting to be Elizabeth Moss's rock. Or what's her name? I shouldn't call her Elizabeth Moss. Uh, Cecilia. Cecilia, right. Okay. The sister comes over and is the one that's like, he's dead. And yes. Okay, wait, wait. So just the quick broad stroke. So the sister picks her up. She moves in with maybe the sister's boyfriend, maybe the sister's ex-husband, but with a man. James. James. And his daughter, Sydney. And James is hot as fuck. James is so hot. He's a police officer. There's a point where he's leaving for work and he's wearing just, I didn't even notice. Amir was like, his pants are so tight. And I was like, are they? And he goes, yeah, he looks like like a stripper cop. And I was like, oh my God, he does. He is so hot. He's so and he's so yeah. handy around the house. He's a dream. Yes. Okay, so she's staying with them. 
and nobody knows where she is. She's, she has been explicit that her sister is not to come over because her ex will follow the sister and find her. That all felt fuzzy, too, because it's like, well, if that's really like the ex-boyfriend. Right, like the boyfriend can find them. Yeah, it wasn't like a, a safe house. <laughs> right. It's like two degrees of separation instead of one. Yeah, all that felt a little bit fuzzy, but I'm still on board. I'm still on board. (laughs) The sister shows up to, as you said, announce that the ex-boyfriend has killed himself. And then they get a letter that's like, oh, you need to meet with the lawyer who turns out to be the ex-boyfriend's brother. Who's the arbiter of his will. Yeah, Adrian has left um, Elizabeth Moss. Adrian, the ex-boyfriend. Has left her $5 million. Which I couldn't tell if that was like a small part of his estate or his estate. Yeah. I mean, it opens when she escapes on this gorgeous beachfront house. So he seems to have a lot of money. Yeah. So I didn't think, I thought five million was like a chunk. She gets like part stock. So she she doesn't even get the full, but then it was like parceled out weird. It's like, you'll get a hundred thousand dollars a month for like years. Yeah, exactly. Which all of this made me feel very uncomfortable. I thought for sure she was going to say, go fuck yourself. Right. I mean, I guess I could see after all I've been through, I at least want the money. And I just thought she'd be like, I don't want anything of his. Right, right. I I feel the same way. Like I could see it going both ways. But you know what? They do a smart thing, which is uh, Sydney, the man she's staying with and his daughter, can't afford to go to college or the college that she wants to go to. So that's like a good built-in sort of uh, decent person thing to do where she's more motivated to give Sydney some money so she can go to college. Which I almost would have liked in that lawyery scene for Elizabeth Moss to be like, I don't want this money. And then the sister to be like, okay, calm down. Like, let's, let's talk for a second. You know, Sydney really wants to go to design school. Like I, Especially like later when the sister kind of has a freak out about money. I felt like there should maybe in that scene, the sister should have been like, yeah, I could see that. I could, I could use that scene. I mean, I didn't mind it not being there, but I, I would be into it. I wanted her to not want the money at first, just because she ran away in the night. And the other thing that I wanted somebody to call out is how did they find her? Well, like, I mean, we already said she went two degrees of separation. I feel like I could have found her. Right. I, I agree. But if we're meant to believe that he wasn't able to track her to James, then how did his brother track her? You know? Mm-hmm. I don't have an answer. I feel like, uh, oh, yeah, she's got a niece, Sydney. Where does she live? <laughs> right, right. Which just meant Adrian could have found her in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> so this that part's a little weird. But okay, fine. She uh, surprises Sydney with like, I'm going to give you all this money. Um, then, well, we'll get into the specifics of exactly what the haunting is like, but she, several hauntings start happening, including a, a, what we're meant to believe maybe is Adrian. Somebody hits Sydney and she thinks that Elizabeth Moth, Cecilia, did it. And so that like causes a whole rift and an explosion. And then everybody thinks she's crazy and she's on her own. And she's in a mental institution and she finds out she's pregnant. And then it turns out Adrian has an invisibility suit. Well, and but is also, trying to- just to slow down for one second, she's in a mental institution because Adrian mur- or the invisible man murders her sister in front of her and puts the knife in her hand. I know it's insane, but I was like, do we want to get it? Because we'll go, maybe we just go in order. But that Guys- is right there. That's why she's in the mental institution. But it's also to me like the scariest part of the, well, 
one of the two scariest parts of the movie. Like, it happens so quickly. That was not the scariest part to me. But anyway, so she's in a mental institution. She finds out she's pregnant. Adrian wants her back and to have this baby with her. And then there's a shootout at the mental institution. And there are corroborating witnesses that it's not her. That there is an invisible man. There is an invisible man, which they play really well and really straight. Yes. It could be this heightened crazy movie, but it actually makes sense. Finally. She has a lot of crazy lines and she delivers it like Oscar worthy <laughs> lines though, where she's like, oh no, it, it, he's invisible. <laughs> if you're reading the script, I can't imagine how like dead the script felt compared to like then seeing her actually do it. <laughs> yeah. She's amazing. And the brother who, who's the like attorney character is very well cast. And yeah. Uh, yeah, everybody's very well cast. Obviously, hot James. But there's a shootout. There's a lot of action. She realizes that Sydney's in real danger. So she speeds back to the house and tells James to do the same. And there's like a shootout and she finally kills the invisible man. You can see a suit and she pulls the face off and it's the brother. Dun, dun, dun. But she's like, no, I know that Adrian's behind well, this. Well, because it turns out that Adrian was tied up in the basement and that the brother... Uh, has been behind this whole thing. Right. Or so they say, right? They like find the police go to this beautiful beachfront house. They kick in. Like a fake door. Like, yeah, it was was a door that had been covered over. A decoy wall. And they find him there tied up looking sad. (laughs) Very like, help me, help me. Yes, exactly. And Cecilia's like, I'm not falling for this shit. It's him. And... The cop, James, is like, just slow down. You're absolved of everything. People know that you're not crazy. You just get to pin it on the brother. What's his name? Tom. Thank you. Let's just pin this on Tom. Don't worry about it. But Elizabeth Moss obviously is like, no. And goes no, back. I mean, just like to pause for one second. During that scene, does James believe her or not? Because that was where I really started to lose my crush on James. You know, maybe this is just wishful thinking, but I think he does believe her. Because he seems very much like, first of all, he owes her an apology because there, there was an invisible man. Yeah. Although, again, to his credit, and I think to her, because she doesn't seem to be holding a grudge. So even though nobody's believed her, I'm kind of like, I think she gets that, hey, this person's an invisible man is hard to buy. Because then I wanted him to be like, look, I didn't believe you before, but I guess now that you still think it's him, I'll just believe you. <laughs> right, exactly. Like, I've already been wrong to disbelieve you. So you the benefit of the doubt? I don't know if he even believed her in the very end. Because when she basically sets a trap, she wears a wire and goes to visit Adrian, and James is listening to the wire, and she's trying to get Adrian to admit that he was the invisible man, or he was in on it at least. But he won't do it. I mean, he was innocent, and he would never, and whatever. And then he kills himself. But he doesn't. Because it's really her in an invisible suit. Exactly. She she does to him what he did to her sister. And then James comes in and he's like, you were never really trying to get a confession, were you? And that's where I was like, wait, does he, he didn't actually ever hear a confession. So does he believe her? <laughs> okay, so this, this gets into like our themes overall in a deep way, which is, you know, believing women. Yeah. Because I 100% believe her. And it sounds like you do too. But if you look on the Reddit theories, a lot of people are like, she doesn't know it was Adrian. Maybe it was Tom. Really? Yeah. I take the beginning when he smashes the window of the, the sister's car when she's trying to get away as evidence. I think he, I mean, they also talk about how his relationship with Tom is similar in a way to 
how it is with Cecilia and that he's very manipulative. He's very controlling. He's very persuasive. You know, I wish that's probably one of the things that I would have liked more of the movie is if it was more of a question. Like, I think that was, that was part that kind of bummed me out was when it got to that twist of the brother, I was like, Oh, this would have been so much cooler if I believed it was just the brother. Right. But see, I love that twist because I was like, whoa, the brother's in on it in a bigger way than I realized. I never thought Adrian was innocent, but I was like, oh, that's cool. Because I think there's a way, especially because, okay, so the brother gives her the money. And then the brother comes when she's in the mental institution. And when he gives her the money, he warns that if she does any criminal activity or is found to be like mentally unsound, she relinquishes the right to the money. So then he comes when she's in the mental institute and is like, well, you kind of did both things. So we're going to take the money back. And Mm -hmm. that's when I was like, oh, this would have played out a lot better to me if in the beginning it was revealed that Adrian had left her everything and the right. brother had gotten nothing. Right. And That's then maybe I was like, oh, then it could have been like, okay, maybe the brother actually set this whole thing up because he wanted the money. But in the same breath, in that same conversation is when he also, because the whole time Cece, Cecilia has been like, He's not dead. I know he's not dead. And the brother's like, he's very much dead. I found his body. I didn't like him either. He's gone. Yeah. Uh, he here, him on the ground covered in blood. Yeah. Tom's suicide photos. Exactly. But in the same conversation where he's like, uh, you're not going to get this money because of X, Y, Z. He lets on that Adrian is not dead. In that same breath, he's like, or there's a way out, which is. Or Adrian. So I think it makes sense that he's not, you know, it's clear there that he's not just acting out of jealousy or financial interests. Like, he's working for his brother. Yeah, I kind of, in my head, I would have liked all that cut. <laughs> I think it would have been really cool if you, if in that moment I'm like, oh, shit, it was the brother the whole time. Maybe Adrian really is dead. And then the reveal at the end that it was Adrian would be another twist. Although... I don't know that there is a reveal at the end that it was Adrian because a lot of people still don't think it necessarily was. Like I do and you do. He tells her it's him. When? When he says the word surprise. I mean, they are brothers. I felt the same thing because I recognized his voice. But, But when he sneaks up on her the first time, he texts her surprise. And then when she's in the Institute, he says surprise. And then he says to her, that shouldn't come as a, any, any smiles. And he like leans in and goes, surprise. So, and then she ends it by saying surprise. To me, that was the writer being like, dot, dots connected. Oh, I feel the same way. I mean, also more specifically when he says surprise and then we meet the brother, I was like, those voices aren't the same. Like that's definitely his voice that says surprise. But for some people. Doubt in people's minds because I was disappointed that I had no doubt. Interesting. I felt like it was such an open and closed case that I was almost like, oh, it would have been better if I was like going back over it in my head. I mean, I think that just goes to show that people don't want to believe women and don't want to believe victims of abuse. And that's so much of what this movie is trying to look at, you know? Right. Um, And I saw interpretations that that's what's happening with James at the end too. When she's like, this wasn't Tom. I know this was Adrian, that he just doesn't believe her. I don't know why he doesn't believe her. I took it as more like uh, a survivalist instinct of don't give anybody any reason to think that you're crazy. Let's take this as a win, get your freedom, and then figure out um, Adrian part of it. I, I was I was disappointed in James. 
Yeah, I thought he was just being sort of pragmatic and like a protector in that moment. Like, let's just get your name cleared and then figure it out. Yeah. Which I understand. I also love that the title is like a reference to, if, even if he hadn't come back as a literal invisible man, the idea that even if you escape abuse, they're like, they follow you wherever you go, that sort of invisible threat and danger until well, they the die. The says that, like, don't let him haunt you now that he's dead. Right, right. But, and even if he weren't dead, which he isn't, but like, you know, in other domestic abuse situations, like even just fleeing, there's still that haunting that happens. Yes, the PTSD of it. Yeah, exactly. In the beginning where she won't go out to the mailbox. Right, which I think is really well done. Yeah, and the whole movie was supposed to be one of um, the the dark, what is the, the monster movie ones. It was originally going to be part of the dark universe because they did the mummy and they were going to do the wolf man. And this was going to be part of that. And then the mummy did really poorly financially and that all got scraped. And then they rewrote the script. Oh, wow. So originally it's at IMDb that Johnny Depp was in, was connected. He was going to be the invisible man, but it would have been a different story. Right. So different. Because It would have been the man story. Right. Oh, I'm curious. I would watch both. But I like this one a lot. Yeah, it was interesting. Have you seen um, Sleeping with the Enemy? No, but I read another comparison to it. It is uh, very reminiscent of Sleeping with the Enemy, which I love. I highly recommend you watch it while you're quarantined. Okay. Um, And it's Julia Roberts. And it's a similar beginning. She's in an abusive marriage. And she lives in a sprawling beach house. Like from the opening, I was like, wow, with the enemy. And she has to find a way out of this. But one thing that I liked in that movie is that, uh, and this is not a spoiler because it's very early, is that Julia Roberts fakes her death. And that's how she gets away from the abuser. And so then in this one, when Elizabeth Moss just ran away, I was like, well, obviously he's going to find you. Right. And he saw you with the sister. Like, what's the plan? While we're talking about the beginning, that was my favorite part. I think that was the scariest part. Okay. Had me the most on the edge of my seat was like, is she going to get away? How was she going to get away? You see that she drugged him. She put, was, was it clonazepam or something? No, diazepam. Right. Which I looked up to see what it does. Um, it's used for like, it can, it's used to treat anxiety or seizures or it's like a muscle relaxant, but side effects are like, it causes paranoia. So then I thought maybe if she drugged with that, that they were going to use that against her. Like it's the drugs talking, but they never really did. No, they didn't. Oh, they're the same kind of thing. Clonopin is clonazepam and Valium is diazepam. Okay. So they're both benzodiazepines, anti-anxiety medications. And yeah, that makes sense. He's really chill, man. He's just like not anxious and relaxed and passed out. And then he still smashes a window. So well, because we find out that he didn't drink the whole drink. When she lifts up the drink and she she like shakes it, there's still powder in the bottom. So he didn't get the full dose. I thought she just was doing that to like hide the evidence. I didn't think about it as, oh, he didn't have enough. But maybe, yeah, maybe she was hoping he'd down the whole thing. Yeah, I think she throws it away to hide the evidence. But then I was like, oh, no, he didn't drink the whole dose. (laughs) Right. Dangerous. And she's sneaking out. She's packing a bag. She's like, he's got crazy home surveillance. So she's like moving cameras to hide. Yeah, I hated the house. As far as production design, it's gorgeous. But I could never live. It was so open and cold. 
Yeah, I loved it. <laughs> all I could think of that opening shot with like it's dark and you just see the ocean in front, like on all sides. I was like that in this in the daytime with the sun bouncing off the ocean, it would be a nightmare for me. Oh yeah, that's true. I didn't think about that. But the night of it is just so beautiful and romantic and terrifying. It's on a compound because when she takes off running, she has to like jump a, a cement wall. Yeah. That's scary. And then there's a dog, and it's not super clear. I thought it was her dog. I think it's his dog, but they live together. Because it seemed like he has this, like, special fancy collar on, and it seemed to me like it was designed so that she couldn't run off with the dog. I think it's the dog can't run off. Everyone's trying to leave him. (laughs) Yeah, and he's controlling and doesn't want anyone to leave. Yeah, because she never brings up the dog later, and she doesn't, she wasn't going to run with the dog. Like, she- I was worried about the the dog. Which the dog seems to make it out okay. This is the first time I've seen a horror movie where the dog is introduced and doesn't die. Right. Thank goodness. There are more. I can never think of them when we're having this conversation. But at some point. Everyone I can think of, they die. I also love when she's talking to the brother. She calls him. She's like, I always felt sorry for you. But turns out you're just like a jellyfish version of him because he doesn't have a spine. Yes. And then like later, the daughter's wearing a shirt with jellyfish on it. Yeah, I saw that too. There's a line in East of Eden where they describe someone as spineless as a jellyfish. And I always loved that line. So I wonder if he took it from East of Eden. Well, I like the brother says, you know, because she asks at some point, she asked the invisible man, like, why me? You could have anybody. Why can't you just let me go? And the brother tells her later, he needs you because you don't need him. Yeah, I like that too. And that checks out to me because it's like, why do any abusers hang on to their victims? Because it's not about like, well, I had to have her because she was the prettiest or whatever. It's more, it's deeper than that. Yeah. Oh my gosh, there's a scene. She goes for a job interview before the shit hits the fan. She's just trying to rehabilitate, get into a normal life. And she's an architect? I, who could tell? Yeah, something. Well, she has a portfolio that she's bringing to a job interview, and she's like steadied her nerves and she's doing her best to just be calm and confident. And she and the guy kind of hits on her in a weird, sort of creepy way when she shows up. Oh, I didn't get that vibe at all. He makes a comment. She says she spent time in Paris, and he says oh, something like, "Yeah, is that where all the beautiful women go, or something?" Are all beautiful women required to spend time in Paris? And she sort of just like laughs and gets on with it. So if she's an architect. Do you think she designed that beachfront house? <laughs> <laughs> her own dungeon, basically. Her uh, yeah. Prison. Well, that's because uh, now they say she's an architect, and like that's interesting because that house is like uh, some of the most incredible architecture I've seen in a movie. She it seems to be at least like architecture adjacent. Yeah, because the things she's missing all the papers from her portfolio. And then when we find them later, they look like sketches of a building. Yeah. So she opens her portfolio for the job interview and it's empty. And she's like, I know that this was full. She's trying to keep it together and she faints. But why that moment if if him being sort of borderline creepy? I don't know. Maybe it's just maybe men are the enemy. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's just like all men. I mean, it feels like yes, everyone's kind of against her. Right. Because the right. sister isn't very sympathetic. The sister gets a letter. She gets an email from her that's like really cruel. And the sister just like believes it and doesn't want to have a conversation about it, which I thought was very strange because if my sister was an abuse victim, I found out. And then wrote me this horrible letter. 
I might go to her and be like, uh, maybe you need time, but I just want you to know I'm always going to be here for you. Right. Like, you know, I'm sorry. I didn't know that I didn't know he was abusing you. Is this what this is about? Like, I'm so sorry, you know? Right. Or also, I don't know how much she's talking to James, but like, it sounds like she's having mental instability issues. So I would think like she's, you know, she's having some sort of episode. Yeah, I didn't understand the sister being so mad. Yeah. And being like, I mean, very kind of petulant about the whole thing and, and is like slams the door in her face. And then when she goes to dinner, she is so rude to that waiter. Oh, I liked it. I didn't think she was that rude. I thought she just was shutting it down. Like, hey, we're having a serious conversation. Just give us a minute. What an and interesting I- choice to have it be a weird restaurant. <laughs> Yeah. Well, because she chose a public space for it to be safe. I know, but it felt like she chose a public space that was really hard to get reservations to. (laughs) It does feel kind of like fancy and exclusive. Yeah, because he's like, oh, have you not been here before? Okay, so we don't, this is not like a normal restaurant. This is a restaurant where it's like, everything's family style. And and, but he's saying it in a way almost to where it's like, this is a restaurant where we're going to serve you air. Like he's saying it like it's some new trendy idea that just like millennials came up with when it's like, well, that's like what Buca de Peppo is like. Oh, is it? Yeah. Buca de Peppo is just family style. You get like no dishes are small. Every dish has to they don't give you like an explanation like that. Do they? Yes. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Because at Buca de Peppo, they'll tell you, you might want to only order one thing. I see. It'll feed like four people. Gotcha. I wonder if it was, and I think it, if so, it does it very effectively. If it's an effort just to kind of be jokey and make it fun so your guard is down, and then you're super surprised when the sister gets murdered. Maybe it was just an interesting choice because the restaurant also looked like it was like uh, some sort of like trendy, like pop up space almost. It was, it was just, it didn't look like a normal restaurant. <laughs> it did look fancy. Yeah, yeah, it seems like maybe he was just trying to milk, like, oh, bougie, San Francisco spot. I know. Here we I are. was so thrown off by the restaurant that I was like, what are we doing here? Yeah. I rewound to see the slit throat happen. So it's, yeah, I think that's done so well. Like, that's my, yeah. the opening is my favorite, and then it's that. They're having a conversation. The sister, well, Cecilia is saying to her sister. It's him. He's alive. I'm, I've got proof. I'm telling you it's him. Yes. And then there's a knife floating. Well, first, the sister looks past Elizabeth Moss. She's like looking at her with that face of like, whatever, I don't believe you. And she looks past Elizabeth Moss. And that's when I felt like... I thought she was looking at her with empathy, like feeling sorry for her, which it's funny that you didn't see it that way. Because I remember I was dating somebody and he was going through a really rough time and he was talking to me. And I remember trying to like look at him with this, just with a lot of empathy. So he felt like loved and supported and held... And he was like, you're looking at me like you want to murder me. And I was horrified. I'm like, that's not what I was thinking. And so I wonder, in that moment, I thought the sister was like really being understanding and coming around and hearing her. Oh, really? I didn't think so because she was she shut down the waiter so much that she that it seemed like she wasn't even going to stay for food because the waiter's like, well, do you need more time to look at the menu? And she's like, yeah, we're going to need a lot of time to look at them. Like, it just didn't feel like she was actually going to have the meal. Like, she was like, oh, I, I thought it was more to leave. I'm trying to have a conversation with my sister. It's clearly serious. She clearly needs help. I don't have time to deal with this waiter right now. Like I saw it all as protecting Cecilia and protecting their time together. Interesting. I didn't get that at all. Because then her face changes when she sees the knife. Well, of course, because she sees a knife floating, which 
obviously induces panic. If I saw a knife not floating in someone's hand, I'd be scared. But if I saw a knife floating in the air, I would be terrified. Yeah, I thought the knife was going to be behind Elizabeth Moss, and that's why she sees it. But it looks like the knife is in between them in a weird way where I was like, wait, can Elizabeth Moss see that too? Yeah, there's a couple moments like that. Like even when they, when James and Sydney think that Cecilia attacked Sydney, the way it's shot, it's like it doesn't look like Cecilia could have even done that. Yeah, the Sydney slap is a problem. Yeah. It comes from like but- her side when Elizabeth Moss is clearly in front of her. And she's like on the ground. She's like just yeah. starting to get up. Yeah, there's some, I mean, there's some like small tweaks. Yeah, but I saw it as, and I don't know if this is right. I saw it as it's floating next to Elizabeth Moss's head. And so it's like her peripheral vision and she's just not registering it. Maybe. I just thought it was strange. (laughs) And she looks horrified for about a second. And I got so excited because I was like, yes, someone's going to believe her. Nobody believes her. And And now her sister. The knife cuts her throat and like smacks into Elizabeth Moss's hand. Yep. So then everybody looks up as the sister's bleeding out, clutching her throat and Elizabeth Moss, Cecilia, is holding a bloody knife. Yes. Oh, that scene. Brutal. I think for me, though, the scariest scene by far was the sheet. Oh, interesting. I see that for you because that's the most, like, ghostly. And yeah. you hate ghosts. Cecilia and Sydney are sleeping. They're sharing a bed. Which, after Adrian died, I was like, well, why is she still staying with him if it's not a secret? <laughs> Right. And she has all this money now. She could just buy a place. I mean, even for a hundred thousand, like you can, you know, maybe not buy a house in San Francisco, but you can certainly pay rent. Well, why isn't she just staying with the sister now? It's safe. Right. I was like, why is she still staying with him? I, that's where I got fuzzy on all the relationships. But anyway, so she's sharing the bed with Sydney, which also I didn't understand. But she's sharing a bed with Sydney because um, she's sleeping in Sydney's room. Uh, why not the couch? I don't know. But she's, uh, yeah. but then all of a sudden it's pitch black and the comforter and the sheets come off we see them get pulled off of them mm-hmm. and she wakes up first there's like a flickering light all this was very creepy um she wakes up and she through the flickering light i'm like wow you are a heavy sleeper like i'm not dealing with the same level of ptsd that you are and i still sleep like shit oh i wake up to anything yeah she's passed out yeah maybe she just hasn't slept in weeks so she's maybe it's all that diazepam <laughs> Yeah, right. Because we do find out, we haven't explicitly said this yet here, but we find out that he's been drugging her because seemingly as payback for her drugging him. Mm-hmm. And also, he wanted, we find out that he really wanted a baby and she didn't. So she was sneakily taking birth control and he replaced that with something. So he was giving her a bunch of things that she didn't know she was taking. I know. I almost thought the brother was going to be like, he replaced it with hormones. So you would get pregnant. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking like fertility pills. Yeah. Does he actually say what it was? No, or he just doesn't says say what it was. But anyway, so she, the lights are flickering. She eventually wakes up and she goes to, there's a couple other things. But the, but the main point that really scared me is she goes to pick up the blanket. And she sees a chair with like a weird spotlight on it, kind of like a light coming from the window. And she thinks maybe, yeah. and she throws the sheet on the chair. And that got me because I was like, oh, it's, it's going to like illuminate a person. And then it didn't, which was cool. And it didn't. Averting expectations. And she's like, okay, like calm down, whatever. And so she picks up the sheet and she's walking back to the bed and the sheet is stuck on something. Mm-hmm. And she turns to look and we can see like that clearly the invisible man is standing on the sheet. 
And she's trying to pull it and it's not moving and you can see it's like smushed down by something. And then the footsteps come closer on the sheet to her. And that's where I was like losing my mind. Oh, then she screams and James runs in. Yeah, she screams. And I think she like the, she like jumps backwards and like run, like runs into a dresser or something. Knocks something over. Yeah. Yeah. That was a, that was the device that I was like, why is this not in every ghost movie? It was so good. Yeah, it was really well done. Well, because I think most ghosts uh, like walk through things, but because he's not a ghost, he takes up physical space. I don't know. If you watch Paranormal Activity, uh, they're touching a lot of stuff. <laughs> all right. All right. We'll come back to it after I watch it. Yeah, that was the scariest scene to me. The score, I read some criticism of the score online. I found it very effective. Like most of the moments where I jumped or were scared were, were just music cues. Yeah, I didn't have any problem with the score. Like I didn't, I was. I didn't notice it, which is good. Yeah. I just found it very effective. Yeah. And I like There's a lot of this movie that I really like. That's why this few things that bugged me, like, made me so frustrated. Because it was, like, so close to being, like, a perfect movie to me. Yeah. I liked how much the psych ward stuff felt like uh, T2, Judgment Day. Oh. <laughs> I didn't think of that, but that's funny. Yeah. It's so similar. And the shootout is done really well in the rain. Yeah, the that whole thing of him like finally revealing himself to cops. Yeah. Um, who really didn't process it well and kept yelling at her to get on the ground and it's like she's so far from you. Right. She's not shooting you. Like it's not coming from her. Really? Oh yeah, she'll just touch you. She's so far away from you. Yeah. So there's this great scene she's found out that she's pregnant. She's found out that it was deliberate and that her options are basically for everybody to think she's insane and she's stuck in a psych ward and doesn't get any money or for her to go back to James and uh, keep the money, I guess. And one thing that I thought, like, I would have liked to see the version that plays out where she says, fine, I'll go back to him and doesn't mean it, you know? Um, Yeah, because also everybody thinks he's dead. So at that point, they're just going to be like, Hey, there he is. But I think the plan would have been like go to witness protection or something and like ha- assume new identities. Well, and- it seems very clear when he attacks her at the mental hospital and he makes himself known. And then he's like, oh, you can't, you can't hurt your, like, I can't hurt you. So I'm going to hurt the people you love. And he's like, I'm, he basically is like, I'm going to go hurt Sydney. That he's setting all this up to set up the brother because he's mm-hmm. like, now he's made himself known. He like wants to come out of hiding. So it's like he's setting up the brother. Yeah. Because then I was like, wow, he's really just like being really careless. <laughs> yeah. He obviously didn't kill any of those cops. He just hurt them. I thought one of them died, but maybe not. Maybe, but he holds a gun up to a guy's head and then drops the gun and like it goes off on the ground. Right. It shoots him like in the kneecap. Yeah. Instead. So then I was like, okay, so I guess they're not killing all the cops. And then right. I was like, James had a really weird line. I was watching it with Brad and it bothered Brad. <laughs> because James gets attacked by the invisible man. He gets the shit kicked out of him. Yeah. And she, and he, and then he sees her like shoot the invisible man. It's the brother. And then Mm -hmm. the next scene is him being like, there are enough witnesses to corroborate your story. And Brad was like, also you. Right. Right. Also, why is he talking? Like he doesn't, he doesn't, he wasn't there too. (laughs) That I can justify is just like, he's close to her. So they could view his testimony as biased. But then why was he there for the interrogation? Why was he one of the interrogators? Yeah, that's true. There's like an interrogation scene that he's sitting in and you're like, that seems a little odd. Yeah. But wouldn't he be really mad about the sister being murdered if that's the, his baby mama? 
Yeah. There's a cool scene where I know that one especially. I was like, what is their relationship? He seems fine. I'm well, very confused. And Sydney never says, like, my mother. So then I was like, I don't, I don't think you're right, Wikipedia. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't think that they were. I thought they were dating. Um, and that maybe Sydney was from a previous it's, relationship. That felt very confusing. Yeah. It's interesting that they don't bother to explain that at all. I have all. a throwaway um, line of, like, I'm staying with my ex-brother-in-law. Right. Right. Like she and then, she could have said that to the uh at the architect firm. Right. She could have said it anywhere. Yeah, like a throwaway line to somebody. Oh, right. Or even to him. Like I don't have anybody. That's why I'm staying with my ex-brother-in-law, you know. Or like, you know, I, I when I left this morning, they were in my portfolio, but I mean, I'm staying with my ex-brother-in-law, so I don't know, maybe they fell out somewhere. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Just just make it clear. But I didn't think, I don't know. Well, I didn't think they were. Took them out. <laughs> I thought they were in a relationship. The sister, Emily. Well, Emily and Jane. Line, so Emily shows up at the house to, to say that Adrian's dead. And when James opens the door, he's like, are you a bill collector? And she's like, yeah, you owe me a lot of money. And she says it all flirty. Yeah. Not like an ex-wife. Right. I think that they're dating and then Sydney's from a previous marriage because then he also was like, I'm going to go talk to Sydney, like clearly trying to give them a moment alone. Yeah. Um, not like, I'm going to go talk to our daughter, you know? I honestly don't know. Yeah. I don't know either. But uh, there's a moment that I think is well done, but then it also leaves me with some questions, which is the way that sh- this whole shootout in the mental hospital even happens is the brother is trying to get her to sign this document saying that she'll go back to Adrian. He wants her to sign a document that says she'll give up the stock. Right. One or the other. It's like either give this up as, or you can fight me legally, but it's going to be very expensive. Um, But then he offers that other deal. So I don't think he's got paperwork saying you you have to sign this and you'll live with Adrian. Maybe not, but he does have pens and she steals one. Yeah, she throws, uh, she throws the stuff on the ground. So he, when he's picking it up, she steals a pen. Very, very clever thing that happens in like all interrogation scenes. It's also a very clever thing that happens, uh, I think, in a lot of horror movies. I think that's a big thing in Red Eye, too. She oh, steals yeah, a pen. yeah. So she steals a pen and then she's like talking to herself, but really, you know, to the invisible man in the shower and makes a little speech about how she's going to kill herself and she stabs her wrist with the pen, slides it up her arm, and then it, like, flies out of her hand. Yeah. So this is her ruse to get him to show himself. Because he wants the baby. Exactly. He wants the baby to survive. It was weird, two things about it. I like that because it was creative. One, her arm doesn't seem to be bleeding at all anymore as she's running around. Maybe she didn't do a great job. Because she didn't really really intend to kill herself. It was a poor... There was blood as she does it. But then when she's... Right. I just don't She's think not. she went deep enough. Yeah, but it was bleeding in the shower. Because as soon as he grabs her hand, she goes, gotcha. And she starts stabbing him. And that's where she like malfunctions his invisible suit. So my interpretation was, I'm not really trying to kill myself. I'm trying to scare you. Yeah. I think it's just like a surface cut. It looked bloody, though, to me. And then it just seemed to stop so it looked like it was a. It looked like a, to me, it looked more like a cat scratch. Because it never gushed blood. Something that I love is that they, the invisibility suit feels really grounded, which could be a really hard thing to pull off. But you're like, this is a guy who deals in optics, who's clearly technologically savvy. It's made up of a bunch of tiny cameras 
that presumably sort of like reflect what's around them or whatever space would be made up with, whatever the space would be made up with. Sure. That it, it like seems to make more sense than it normally would in a story. Yeah, I was, I had no problem with that. Yeah. I would think I would in theory. I mean, I didn't know how to get Chrome on my computer, so I buy technology. <laughs> but the costume design of it, I think, is really well done. And so it just feels convincing. When you see the suit, when it's not invisible, when it's like full of ink, or like you said, as it's malfunctioning, because she's either stabbed it or shot it full of bullet holes. Or she put paint on it. That's another thing. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. Oh, one of the as best. As soon as she throws paint on it. I was like, well, for every scene, I'd be throwing something at him. Right. So Cecilia's home alone, and she goes upstairs to the attic because she calls Adrian's phone, and it vibrates on the floor upstairs. So she goes up. She sees pictures that he's taken of her asleep in bed with Sydney, And I'm like, text that to James. Text it to James now. Anyway, she glances down where the ladder is because she senses him coming after her, and she doesn't see him. She looks down and doesn't see anything, but she grabs a bucket of paint and throws it. And then you see his outline and you can see the texture on the suit. I would be throwing water at him. First you throw water and then you throw flour. As a former baker, I can tell you that water and flour together is impossible to get out. She, I guess, is not a baker. (laughs) I thought it was a little bit weird that she was able to steal the pen with the invisible man watching her every move. I don't know if he was there then. But why not? Look, I don't know. But we had no indication that he was there. Tom never talks to him. Nothing moves. So there's nothing to tell us he was there at that time. It's like the one time he doesn't really need to watch her because someone is because his partner's doing it. So maybe that's when he was like going to the bathroom or something. Right. That's his bathroom break. That's he, he took lunch. I can find ways to excuse it because I like the movie and I want to like the movie. But the only thing that really was hard to buy for me, and I think it would have been easily solvable is Adrian, when she agrees to have dinner with him at the end and she's wearing a wire, that he's not skeptical. Like, if he had said, you're wearing a wire, aren't you? But it's okay, I'm going to win you over. You know what I mean? Like, if there just didn't seem to be the awareness of who she actually was and what she was capable of, and also he didn't notice that one of his invisibility suits was missing, he just seemed a little bit too unguarded. And you can explain that away with uh, arrogance and cockiness, but that was a little bit hard for me to buy. I definitely thought that he knew she was wearing a wire. That's why he won't admit it. And that's why when he comes up real close, he says that surprise line because he's like, I'm not going to, I know you're wearing a wire. I'm not going to say it, but I'm going to let you know that it's true. But he is trying to win her back, right? So I don't think he's going to admit it anyway. He's saying like, I'm reformed. I've changed. I know things weren't perfect between us but I've gotten better and well that's part of abuse too right 100% but I'm saying that's the tack that he's taking so I don't think he would ever be like and yeah it was me even if she wasn't wearing a wire maybe I don't know I I mean I I don't know my brain this movie is now frying my brain I'm like I I don't know I just felt like him saying that thing with him being like uh obviously it was me honey (laughs) Interesting. I didn't take it as obviously it was me, but I took it as for the audience. You can hear that that word is the same and sounds the same. Well, because especially because the invisible man after her says surprise twice. <laughs> it's like such a big word that they use over and over again that I was almost like, I wonder if the title of this should have been surprise. But also saying that shouldn't come as a surprise is not 
an unusual thing to say. No, but he says that shouldn't come as a surprise. I guess. There's a pause, and then he, like, he, like, does this devilish, like, grin surprise. I, I guess part of me likes that people didn't think it was him, but I definitely 100% was like, yeah. Part of, I just thought as, like, look, I'm not a professional writer, but as someone that took writing classes, it's, like, obviously the surprise is there to connect all the dots for the audience to where I'm, like, I'm, to quote the Invisible Man, surprised. I'm surprised that people have doubts at all because to me it was like well that's obviously and the fact that she then says surprise back to him I was like well that's obviously the writer being like get it right I'm with you or in the world of Do you get the it? movie I'm hitting it over your head <laughs> yeah in the movie it just felt like uh she's going like yeah I fucking know this was you and I remember you saying this word to me and you know just very there's a lot of like tit for tat like she drugs him, so he drugs her, and then this is how he kills her sister, so this is I how she kills him. Yeah, I almost thought that they were going to have that in the dinner, where she was like, well, I guess we're even because I killed your brother and you killed my sister. Like, I almost thought that was going to be how she got him. Mm, interesting. Um, but it doesn't come up. No hard feeling. I just want, I guess it would have been nice in that last scene to see him be a little bit more effectively manipulative and charming, because they so often are. Yeah, well, I could have, like, gone, seen them going down the path of, like, look, I was really mean to you, but the truth was I was being hurt by my brother and hurt people hurt people. And now that I see, like, what has happened to him, I'm I'm a changed man. I'm going to go to therapy. Like, I thought you could have played on that more. Yeah, I, I would like that more, too. I also kind of liked, I thought for a second, I knew they weren't going to do this, but when she's coming to the home, um, before you know for sure that she's wearing a wire and the, that James is outside, I was like, oh, it would be such a dark ending if just to keep the people safe that she loves, she goes back to him. Yeah, well, the baby wouldn't keep the baby safe. Right, that's true. Do you think she keeps the baby? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and I bet she fucking names it Emily or something. <laughs> yeah, even if it's a boy. Yes, very uh, modern name. <laughs> Well, good job, Lee Wanell and everybody else. I just, I wish she had stuck around at the end because it just, if she called 911, that part, I was like, well, you look super guilty if you're just leaving the crime scene. <laughs> I wanted her to stay at the end. Why is she leaving the crime scene after she called 911? She packs her bag. Oh, that's <laughs> true. man suit. She leashes up the dog and she takes off. <laughs> Why doesn't, I guess it was his dog. What's going to happen to the dog? Because I was like, first of all, when she, after, after he's like dead, I thought she should come back into frame because it's like all being recorded on security cameras. I thought she should have come back into frame with a towel and like pretended to try to save him. Right. But then she just leaves forever. And I was like, this, if I was a cop, I'd be like, this is suspicious. Remember, isn't this the case with that invisible suit? (laughs) Right. Yeah, that is a good point. I mean, I feel like for the most part, they watch that footage and they see him slit his own throat. I know, I just wanted her to play play it up more. I did like how it felt. You know, they show her while she's in frame of the security cameras, like panicking and like, oh no, and, you know, calling 911. And then once she is out of frame, once the cameras can't see her. She sits down. Yeah. That was cool. Yeah, she did a good job. Yeah, she like gets to enjoy it a little bit. Surprise. I also couldn't believe the amount of people on Reddit not only saying that they didn't that they thought that it could have been Tom the whole time but 
the why? amount of people. Why would it be Tom the whole time? They didn't give us a reason. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Why would well, he hold his brother captive? He was jealous and wanted the money. But and, then how does he know about the baby? I mean. And why does he want her to go back to Tom? Why does he give a shit if she goes back to Tom? Or Adrian. Why would he be like, I can make you a deal if you'll go back to my brother? Why does he care if he's right. hostile? Like, I, that's so bonkers to me that people think that. Unless that was just a lie and a way to get the money. But yeah, no, I agree with you. She doesn't even have all the money. And she, he says, like, well, now you've lost it, so. Well, what's crazy to me, too, is the amount of people not only saying that, but being like, why did she have to kill him at the end? Like, that just felt very selfish. There were a bunch of comments like that. And it's like, because he's never going to leave her alone. Yeah, that's the, like, uh, Jennifer Lopez enough, if you never saw that, where it's like, the only way out of an abusive relationship is to get rid of the abuser. <laughs> People constantly will be like, well, why didn't they just leave? And it's like, because you can't just leave. Yeah, that's true. Even if you do, you know. They're- and it's harder if they have a lot of resources. Yeah. and you Which he does, this character, you know, tons of money. Oh, lots of money. And that house. Yeah. That's like a compound. Yeah. Ugh. Think of all the money he's going to make on the invisibility suit. Right. He's like unrelated to everything else. I have a suit. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that would be, that would make him a fortune. Um, well, I enjoyed it. I, I, you know, I have a little this and that, but I, I, I mean, I'll watch Elizabeth Moss do anything. And the stuff in the beginning, the like, when you think it might be a ghost, that was so cool. Yeah, I kind of wish, like, I would have also thought that maybe she was crazy. And there were moments where it did feel that way. And I liked it. But the trailer gave it away that she was clearly not crazy. Yeah, the trailer definitely gives away too much of the movie. That's like a bummer. Because you know, it's not like the director or whoever making the trailer, they farm that out to somebody else. And this was definitely a trailer that I was bummed when I saw it. I was like, Oh, I think that's the movie. Yeah. Although the moments in the trailer where she's like being lifted off the ground by an invisible man and like fighting the invisible man, to me, those are like the least effective parts of the story. So I'm glad that it was better than those scenes. I think like seeing the fire get turned up or seeing the moment with the blanket, like all of that to me was much more effective than somebody wrestling with an invisible person. Right. I agree. Yeah. So I think the movie's better than I thought it would be from the trailer but then the trailer still gives a ton away yeah unfortunately yeah but still recommend yes and if you can find it i didn't check but you should definitely watch sleeping with the enemy it's so good okay cool i'll check it out and also uh i kind of wanted to touch base although this feels like it should have been an opening conversation (laughs) but if anything has changed for you in terms of what's scariest these days Ugh. Uh, misinformation coming from the president's pretty scary. Yeah, terrifying. That's, my sister's a nurse, and so hearing, like, how dire it really is in hospitals is, like, alarming. Yeah. Do you know anybody? That has it? Yeah. Uh, Colton Underwood, the former bachelor, has it. I mean, do you personally know anybody? No, of course not. (laughs) I do. Oh, you do? Oh, no. Yeah. I mean, I think they're both going to be fine, but. It's interesting that, you know, it's closer than it felt like it was. Yeah. Well, it's it's everywhere. And unrelated, I rewatched We Need to Talk About Kevin, which I love. And I realized more scary to me than home invasion is having just an evil child. That's probably the scariest thing. Yeah. No, that would be scary. 
maybe we can set up an email. I want to be like, email us. What scares you the most? We'll and on Instagram. Yeah, we'll but they don't do that. <laughs> but yeah, do it. Try. Follow us on Instagram at he's right behind you. We have, or he's right at he's right behind you podcast. There you go. By the way, we didn't even talk about how this movie's ad campaign, they put up posters around LA that said he's right behind you. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> It was exciting. I I was very, I was like, wow. <laughs> yeah. It would have been nice if that translated to some new podcast listens. Yeah. But then it said like at the Invisible Man. <laughs> so nope. But yeah. Follow us. Let us know what scares you. How you guys are coping. Yeah. What you'd like to hear more of, what you wouldn't. And you, we have episodes to look forward to with Sean Perlman and Christina Karchner and Rose McIver and Ariel Jero Kleiman and Benji Kleiman. Yeah. We have future movies, Audition, uh, The Faculty, and The Babadook coming up. I don't know in what order, but at some point if you want to watch those. And next week, were we going to do... Oh, Contagion. I don't know. Well, maybe we should put out a poll and see if people on Instagram have any suggestions oh that's a good idea see if there's I anything like that, that people are watching views of contagion are going way up same with uh outbreak i rewatched outbreak does not hold up as well as contagion <laughs> yeah contagion is eerily suited to right now yeah very prescient oh boy we'll see what people want want us to do and we'll try and please the masses yeah stay safe support local restaurants by takeout and delivery if you can yeah, but also stay home. Yes, I have supported. There's one local business that I'm obsessed with, and I have supported them throughout this. But nice. But yeah, yeah. I don't want to see my favorite tiny businesses go under. I know it's really sad. But yeah, stay safe out there. It's really lame to be like, stay safe, don't die, and follow us on Instagram. <laughs> but whatever. Wash your hands. I want to give a. A shout out to Trader Joe's for being awesome because they've only been allowing anywhere between 10 and 30 people in at a time. And as you enter, they spray your hands with sanitizer. And as you leave, they spray your hands with sanitizer. And they've just oh, wow. like always been a really part of history. Yeah. Yeah. They, they're, they're doing minimals also or maximums at uh, Ralph's and Whole Foods, but none of that hand sanitizer spraying. They did have uh, like wipes when you go in that you can grab to wipe down your cart. I know Gelson's is doing like a, I think an hour or two that's just for seniors in the morning. So proud of everybody that's stepping up. And that's just out here. My sister lives in Seattle, which is like the epicenter practically. And they're not doing that at their grocery store. My mom is in Miami and she said at Publix, I think it was, they're doing that also an hour for seniors. Oh, nice. Yeah. No, I mean, my sister in Seattle, she said that they're not, there's not maximums at the grocery store. Oh, maximum group of people, not like a maximum group of items. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no. But like out here, only a certain amount of people are allowed in a grocery store at one time. Yeah. And you're also like not allowed to hoard. Like at Trader Joe's, they're not going to let you pick out with 17 boxes of milk. Right. Yeah. They're doing that at the other ones too, where you can only get two dairy products per household. Yeah, it's weird. It's definitely weird times. Uh, I, I long for Clorox wipes. Yeah. Because <laughs> I use those all the time in my normal life. Brad and I are real neat freaks. I clean my kitchen with Clorox wipes every single day, and I've had to not do that, and it's driving me a little crazy. Right, and it's a weird time to not do that. But, I mean, you know, it could be worse. I still have access to, like, French tarts and stuff, so I'm okay. I do feel very lucky. Like, as terrible as this is and how scary, I feel like for a pandemic, we're we're in pretty good shape. Like, we still get to be at home. You know, we're not, like locked up in concentration camps or like internment camps or anything god forbid it's like it's as comfortable as an uncomfortable situation can be right 
Hopefully it gets better. Well, you know, just do your part. Try to flatten the curve. Try to not go crazy. Watch movies. Listen to podcasts. Yeah. Be on Instagram. <laughs> At least there's no FOMO on Instagram anymore. Well, I did. I did like an online baking. Uh, they did like an Instagram live, the Sweet Feminist. So I baked brownies with the Sweet Feminist. And like I went on Liz Klimo offered like a free coloring book on Instagram. So it's like there's like a community on Instagram if you're feeling really lonely. That's nice. There's lots of like uh, live workouts you can join and we're alone together. Yeah. Let's pull through. We got this. I mean, global warming will get us eventually, but for right now, we got this. I know. Should we do the day after tomorrow and tackle global warming? <laughs> Ooh, maybe. Let us know. DM us or respond to our theoretical poll. Yeah. Um, preferably something that's streaming. Yeah. And let us know what you thought of The Invisible Man, too. Yes. Stay safe. Stay sane. Take care. Talk to you guys later. Bye.